Hello and welcome to But I'm a Professional, the podcast where we focus on being well at work while working well. I'm your host, Nancy Elizabeth, and I'm here to help you on your learning journey. Let's get started. In today's bonus episode, we're going to talk about something called a stress footprint. As always, we'll talk about what that is. We'll consider how it impacts us in our workspace. And finally, we'll come up with some action points that we can put into place in order to um, either avoid behavior that harms us or to put in place some new practice that will help us. All right, so with the definitions, a stress footprint, what is it? What does it mean? And do I have one? I think a lot of the time in when we're thinking about our, our lives and how we navigate them, we often think about stress as something that is done to us and something that we receive. And we don't often consider how we create it and how we add to it in the atmosphere or in um, our surroundings or to the people around us. So the, the idea of a stress footprint is measuring your footprint like you would a carbon footprint, measuring how much stress you create. I think that there's some use in measuring how much you create for yourself, but in this particular instance, it's more focused on how much stress you create for others around you. I think it's important here to consider as well what stress is and what stress isn't. So... You know, broadly speaking, stress is, first of all, not always a bad thing. Um, stress is important in certain situations to meet deadlines or to get something done to a, to a certain standard or, or within a certain parameter. And that is important sometimes. But that isn't really stress. That's demand. So demand can be stressful in a certain sense, um, but it it isn't the same as the kind of stress that prevents us from working well and the, the type that takes over and becomes our norm and causes um, all sorts of psychological, well, physiological problems as well. So what we're working with here is a definition of stress that is a negative psychological state with cognitive and emotional components and that stress has effect, um, effects on the health of both employees as an individual and uh, the organizations that they work for, okay? In studies done on uh, causes of work stress, common topics that pop up are things like office politics or uh, communications, either in, in your team or in between teams in interdepartmental communications. Um, and another topic that pops up over and over again is the work performance of, of colleagues or people that you have to work with closely sometimes. So all this to say that what you're doing and how you're doing it is going to have an impact on those around you. So how can we minimize our stress footprint in the interest of not adding to the already um, stressful experience of working in the first place? Well, I'm very glad you asked that question. The first thing we have to do before we can successfully 
fix anything is to correctly identify the issue. And I know that you're thinking, well, I know what I do wrong. And that might be true to some extent, but I promise you there will be things you're doing that you don't, you will never be able to notice. And so the very scary thing that we have to do sometimes is to ask others what we're doing that is wrong. Now I should say, I don't really like this language, what I'm doing wrong, what I'm doing right. I think that needs a bit of a shift as well. I think uh, more of um, what do I do that that helps or what do I do that supports your ability to function in your role um, versus what do I do that hinders and how would you like me to do it differently? And this doesn't mean that you're going to take on board everything everybody says. This is just to get a broader understanding of what it is you do through the perception of others and how they perceive that to have an impact on them, right? So you can do a lot of different things with this information. First of all, you can completely ignore it. Secondly, you can just broaden your understanding of how you are perceived and third, you can actually think through it and change how you're doing something, not necessarily the thing that you're doing, but the way that you're doing something in order to make it have more of an impact or to be more efficient or effective or whatever the case may be. So the answer to the big question, how will this help me professionally? Well, I mean, first of all, it can help you professionally in many ways, uh, but let's focus on a couple of key areas. One of the first things that this will help you with, this this activity will help you with, is to, to gain insight, which we're always after. And I'll help you gain insight in a couple of ways. First of all, we can't fully understand ourselves until we understand how others perceive us on top of how we feel about ourselves on top of how we reflect on what we're doing. Bear in mind, this isn't necessarily that, again, what everybody is saying is quote unquote true, but it is their perception. So whether what they think you're doing is what you're doing is sort of beside the point. What they perceive you to be doing or what they perceive you to be thinking or feeling is also informative and you need to know that because there may be a gap between what you perceive yourself to be doing and what they perceive you to be doing. So the first real gain is, is uh, your insight into yourself and how you are perceived. The second insight that's really important coming out of an exercise like this is what, you know, what your colleagues that you work closely with or your team that you work closely with, what they value. I mean, obviously everybody values a, a functioning workspace, but, but you know, get more into the details of that. What do they value within making that happen? Okay. And that you cannot identify on your own. You need input for that. Further to that, it is sometimes tricky for somebody to answer that question. Um, just, you know, stated that plainly, what you often have to do sometimes is find out what people don't like to then uh, identify what they what they do respond to because often that is much clearer in and in the forefront of our minds. I don't like it when you do that. It's a lot easier to, I like it when you do this sometimes. Um, the second reason that this will help you professionally is because it's a lot more motivating to work in a space where there's somebody who is showing an interest in how to make things function better and how they can 
play a leading role in that, uh, whether whether you're the team leader or not. So if we, if we consider this for from top down or bottom up, uh, I think everybody wins. You know, if it's top down, it's it's somebody in a leadership position who is giving value to the input from the team uh, and and their what what their needs are in order to to function well in that workspace. If it's from bottom up, then it's somebody who's identifying you trying to again make things function or, and make yourself function in a way that is best that is most effective to get the job done to work with others uh, and to ultimately uh, realize the the aims and goals of the organization or the, or the business unit that you're working under um, the last thing that we want to consider how, you know, in how this will help you professionally is, is the future. So we want to think about how we can for, prevent future problems. And I suppose there are two prongs to this. You know, first of all, you want to, you want to prevent problems by nipping something in the bud that's, that's not working now, but can be sort of low level. But if you don't stop it now, it will turn into an eventual big problem. And the other thing is you want to to get some insight into what kind of behavior that you shouldn't be engaging in to make future problems crop up. Okay. Uh, you want to prevent those problematic behavior problems from continuing so that, you know, they create future problems in situations that haven't occurred yet. Okay. Right. So we know what the stress footprint is. We understand how it will help us to measure that, how that will help us in a professional setting. So the final $54 million question is, how do I do the thing? Well, that is a very good question. I'm so glad you asked. I think one thing to bear in mind that is extraordinarily important is that learning cannot happen and change cannot come in stressful situations. So what we often need to do is we need to put time, space, and a calm demeanor around anything that could be a potentially sensitive exchange. Everybody wants to participate in this in a honest yet safe space and safe way. So how do we make that happen? Because what you want to prevent, you want to prevent um, asking a question that is a little bit tricky and somebody giving an honest response, but then you taking that on board and immediately responding to that in a reactive way, because that, as I'm sure you can see, would just quickly snowball and avalanche and nobody would learn anything and nobody would change anything and it would just turn into a yeah but and and sort of you know the defend and protect so we we want to prevent that defense and protection uh trigger from happening so what we want to do is we want to make sure that we sew into this process that space and that time because that keeps things cool that keeps things level-headed and that allows for processing, which is extraordinarily important in any learning process. Okay, 
So what I suggest is uh, doing, giving this list of questions uh, to somebody on a piece of paper uh, or in an email and telling them that you don't want a response for, I don't know, a week, three days, whatever it is. You don't want an immediate response. Now, the other thing to consider before you give anybody this list of questions is to think about your relationship with them. Okay, this may not work in your workspace, right? So consider the people that you work with, consider the, hmm, how can I say, the atmosphere, the energy, the tone, the sort of the way things are done around here in your workspace. And if if it's not one of those places, then this ain't it. This is not going to do it. It's just going to upset people. So don't bother. Uh, and probably going to upset you too. However, that doesn't mean that you can't make it work. So Instead of that, what you can do is you can take these questions and give them to people that uh, are in your life that have sort of, you know, you have uh, consistent relationships with and you can gain insight about yourself from them and then take that knowledge and apply it in the workspace. You see what I'm saying? So you're not giving the question to actual colleagues. You're not giving the questions to the team that you work with. Instead, you're giving those questions to uh, a very close friend or a family member or something like that and going through the same procedure, but then taking what you've learned from that and then applying it in your professional life. Okay. If you do happen to work in um, a, a setting where this would work, still do think very carefully about who you're giving this to because it won't, it won't work well if there is a significant power imbalance between you and the person that you're giving it to because they will probably never feel um, how can I say they'll never feel safe to be as honest with you as you need them to be and I don't mean that they need to say something obviously terrible but it can be very it's it's hard to put that stress on someone put that expectation on someone to tell you something that might be slightly awkward when you know they're in their first year in the job and you're the one who has to give them a performance evaluation at the end of the year. So do consider that as well. Consider if you have built up that kind of rapport, um, that kind of trust and that kind of safe space already and can, can rely on that to make this work. Yeah. All right. So consider the, all those things first before you make your decision about who you're going to give this to. Right. So let's get down to questions. So what you want to do is you want to give this person or these people five questions. Question number one, possibly the biggest one. What do I do that causes you stress? Now this is broad and this is general for a reason. Okay. So this might be um, something that you say or a way that you say something or how you approach them, or it could be who knows what they're going to say. It's broad for a reason. And hopefully from that, there won't be a list of 25 different things that you do that causes this person stress. But they'll be able to, again, go away in that time and think of, think of the, uh, I suppose, heavy hitters, uh, the one or two things that you do that cause them stress. Okay. Question number two, how often do I do this? So I think the frequency here is important because it's not just that you do something, it's how often you do this and considering it, whether it's something that you're doing 
knowingly, unknowingly? Is it a reflex that you have? Is it a, an anxious response that you have in trying to control the situation? So I think that frequency will give you a real window into not just, um, you know, the, the consistent drip drip of stress that you're giving this person, but more, you know, your ability to relate it to something that's going on on your side, right? Question number three, how does it make you feel and why? Which I'm sure you're rolling your eyes at, but it's, don't stop it. Do not roll your eyes. This is very important information. So uh, in a different bonus episode, I talked about a feelings wheel and I still want you to print out a feelings wheel and tack it up somewhere because it's, it's extraordinarily helpful in really zeroing in on what it is that we feel. So identifying how this, this person identifying how your behavior makes them feel is uh, extremely important for them to then get to part two, why, which is really what you want to know. So for example, when you email me at uh, 5 p.m. on a Friday evening, it makes me feel stressed. Why? because I feel like all weekend then I'm thinking of that email that you sent and I can't focus on stuff at home or I can't focus on good times with my friends or I can't focus on, I don't know, whatever it is that you do when you're not at work that's equally as important, okay? So that why is really important, but it's hard to get to that why if you don't know how it is that you feel first, which is frustrating and demotivating. Question number four, what does it make you do and why? Again, this is very important because that the person who is answering this gets to then reflect on, okay, you've given me something that makes me feel stressed and then I respond in a specific way and I respond in that way because, which, you know, coming back full circle will give you an opportunity to think about how this person responds to you sometimes. And perhaps you're thinking to yourself, why does she say that? Or why does she do that? That that, that doesn't fit. But it'll give you again, a bit of insight into well, they're responding because, you know, I've done this thing, or I've said this thing that um, caused them to feel uh, anxious, or caused them to feel worried, or caused them to feel hurt, or sad, or overlooked, or overwhelmed, or whatever it is. Uh, and then it makes them choose a series of of behaviors that I'm then responding to. So is that, you know, trying to get a little bit more uh, knowledge around the the ping pong back and forth of of how our, well, I suppose it wouldn't be ping pong, it'd be more like dominoes, how one action sets off another action, sets off another action, etc, etc. Okay. The last question, question number five, that you want to ask them is, what do you wish I would do instead? Now, again, as I've said countless times before in this recording, just because somebody comes back to you with an answer on this, it doesn't mean that they're quote unquote right. It doesn't mean that that's what you should be doing. However, it will again give you a tremendous amount of perspective on what it is that they, how it is that they would wish to do something or how they think that it's going, something is going to work better for them or how they will feel more seen or more heard or more motivated or more engaged or whatever it is. So they might come back with something that you just think, oh, God, that's stupid. We're not going to do that. But that's not the point. That is not the point. 
The point is you better understand them and you better understand their perspective. And that is what we're after. Okay, so just one more time for the folks in the back who weren't listening. Question number one, what do I do that causes you stress? Question number two, how often do I do this? Question number three, how does it make you feel and why? Question number four, what does it make you do and why? And question number five, what do you wish I would do instead of this action that I do that causes you stress? All right. So we know what the stress footprint activity is. We know why it will help us professionally. We now know how you actually do it. But the final thing to consider is when you go through this process and you get this feedback, what do you do then? Well, obviously fire everyone who said you were shit. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so what, uh, again, you have to come back to this idea that we want to have, we want to have time and space and processing and learning going on. Okay. So as I said at the beginning of this section, when you give this, this list of questions to somebody, you give it to them and you tell them not to respond to it for whatever, a week. And that gives them time to think and not react. That gives them time to, to process. And that also gives them time to drill down into what it is that is actually bothering them. That takes time, that takes space, that takes care. When you then receive that back, do not look at it straight away because you're already gonna have a little bit of anxiety no matter what. So don't look at it straight away and then respond to it straight away. Give yourself some time. I'm not gonna tell you how long, just make sure that you're in a calm space, make sure that your breathing is even, make sure your heart rate is not up, make sure you know, you've know you had a good night's sleep, whatever it is, make sure the kids aren't screaming in the background, whatever you need. That's, a, that's the first step. Second step, when you do read through the responses, do not react, don't do anything, just read it, okay? Then wait a little time and then go back and reread it again, and then start doing something. Now, you can choose what you want to come out of this. Um, I would highly recommend that everybody say thank you, uh, because this is uh, this can be tricky, this can be difficult. Uh, and no matter what anybody says, you still want to thank them for engaging in the process and trying to work towards something that, you know, ultimately is making you better able to function at work. So thank you is very important. And then after that, you know, you have a couple of options. You can just take things on board and and put different different actions into place in what you're doing. I would highly recommend identifying that to some you don't have to get into, you know, deep deep details, but you you can say uh, you know, thank you for your feedback and as a result of understanding that when I blah, you feel blah, I have now changed it to blah, or, you know, some, or I have changed it, some, uh, changed my approach, something like something to that end. Yeah. Um, or the other thing that you can do is put different behaviors into practice, not just from you, but things that will directly change how the team or how your colleagues are, are functioning. Okay, so this could be like a end of week catch up where we all come together and we reflect on wins of the week, 
things that we could have done better upon reflection and things we're looking forward to next week or next month, whatever, one of those things. If you don't necessarily want to keep things work focused, uh, I encourage you to try and find some resources on how you can engage staff without necessarily turning it into other thing that they have to schedule and, you know, just continue to add to their stress in a new way because that is ultimately not the point. Uh, there are there are a lot of resources out there. Um, it's just a, a matter of, of looking up a couple of ideas and then bouncing them off uh, peers or bouncing them off, uh, you know, people in your private life and, and you know, choose someone to see how it works or, or brainstorming things together with your team if you have that kind of relationship with them and if you work in that kind of way. So, I mean, ultimately what we're after here is we're just trying to... We're trying to get a better understanding of how the the ways that we work negatively impact others and cause others stress that we can do something about and we can change. We, we ultimately have that power, right? So obviously we're not talking about really, really big things um, that are, you know, decisions that come from far, far above. I mean, unless you're in that that sort of situation. And if you are, thank you very much for listening to the podcast and please hire me. No, I'm just joking. Um, but if you're, yeah, I mean, you're, you're, what you're looking for here is you're trying to switch the view from, oh my God, I'm so stressed all the time to, I understand that as a human being in society and interacting with other human beings, I am inevitably going to stress people out and I want to know how I'm doing it. And if there's, you know, any insight in there into how I can stop it. And I promise you, there is. So don't get that, that uh, response back and look at it and think, well, this person's obviously an idiot. Uh, I know what I'm doing. Don't do that. Leave your ego at the door. Doesn't do anybody any good. Right. We're being honest and vulnerable. We are identifying behavior patterns, both useful and non-useful, very likely some non-useful ones in this exercise. We are self-reflecting and learning to look inward to see what we can do better. And finally, we are reconciling and we are repairing where damage has been done. Ultimately, all of these things will make your team's life easier and your colleague's life easier, but also will make your life easier in the workplace. I hope you have found some of this useful. I hope you have thought to yourself, oh, I should try that. And ultimately, I hope you do try that. Once again, thank you for tuning in for this bonus episode on how to measure your stress footprint in the workplace. And I hope to see you again very, very soon. Until next time, be well, well working well. Bye.